God beside us, God behind us, God above us. Be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Happy New Year. That's right. It is uh, a little early for that, at least by our calendar. But by the church's calendar, today is Advent 1, which marks the beginning of a church year. Um, comes from the word that means coming in Latin. We are preparing our hearts and the world and the church for the coming of Christ. It is marked by a time of quiet and self-reflection. Thank you, Daniel, for that wonderful uh, Advent prelude that the choir uh, uh, took us through and, and did for us. It was wonderful. And as we think about those words and what we were doing, it says something very powerful about what we are doing in our lives in the weeks coming up to the birth of Christ, what we are doing in our lives and through us into the world. So, you want the good news or the bad news? Bad news. <laughs> bad news. I like, see, you're like me. I always do that. When my wife says this to me, which it's, it's simply a veiled way of saying, half the time she says there really is no good news. Though, you know, the <laughs> pump to the well is broken, which she told me this morning, as a matter of fact. Great. Um, so it becomes, uh, in many ways, a rhetorical question, almost somebody getting ready to lay it on you, right? And I've discovered that very thing, that many times people are just simply trying to veil um, bad news by giving you like a little sliver, a sliver of hope, how oh, maybe the good news outweighs the bad, but you kind of know down deep inside that it's just not going to be so, and you can't win by answering it. Because if you say, give me the bad news first, then you sound like a pessimist, and that's what I am, like, give me the bad news. I just want to go ahead and brace myself for the worst, right? Um, but if you say, give me the good news first, then you sound kind of like the eternal optimist. You're naive in a way. And anytime I do this in reverse on Mary, she gets this horrified look on her face. Like, what's going on? Are your parents okay? Are the kids okay? What's going on? Do I have my phone? Somebody's called you and not me. You know, all the things that you set into motion by these things that we say. It's like the letter that the young girl who was in college who had wrote a letter to her father, and it listed this whole litany of horrible things. But if you could imagine all the very worst things that you could possibly think of that could happen to a child in college, she put these in this letter. And so her father was reading, and he was just distraught. You know, oh, my goodness, this is horrible. And then at the end of the letter, she said, just kidding, I made a C in English composition. <laughs> so really lay it on thick, and then somehow a C doesn't seem so bad, does it? Well, as I read today's gospel, I think I've got good news and I've got bad news. And I can hear Jesus almost saying this to the apostles. I've got good news and I've got bad news. In our lectionary a couple of weeks ago, Jesus at the temple told them about the destruction of the temple. And now in today's gospel, he is telling them about another kind of apocalypse, this one for the end of the world. And as we 
read this, the signs from the heavens and distress on earth, we immediately begin to think about the Left Behind series and am I going to make the cut, right? Am I going to be left behind? Oh, no. Listen to it. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads. Because your redemption is drawing near. Bad news. And then good news, right? Will Willimon, the United Methodist theologian, says the news about Jesus is good. But before it is good, it's bad. Jesus is talking about the end of the world, yes, but I don't think he is simply talking about his coming and the second coming and the end of the world at the end of time as we know it, right? And we certainly can read that in there. We certainly see that in our creeds and in what we talk about this time of Advent as we await the coming of Christ at Christmas, at the end of time, but also in our hearts each and every day. That thing that happens to us on a random Tuesday when the hand of God so clearly and definitively breaks into our world and the darkness that is around is infused with light. Because when Jesus breaks into our lives, and that's why we're gathered here today, isn't it? I mean, that's why we're here and say, I am a disciple of Jesus, because in some way or another, The hand of God has broken into our world. And when the hand of God breaks in and touches you, when you are touched with love and peace and light and life, life cannot be the same. Things will change. The world as you know it, or the world as you knew it, will no longer be the same. Your world and your worldview will literally be turned upside down. We can't remain the same, can we? If we begin to see with the eyes of Christ, if as Teresa of Avila say, our feet and our hands become the hands and feet of Christ in the world, how can we remain the same? How can we just dial it in and go about the world acting like the world? And Jesus breaks into our lives in so many ways through people that we come into contact with, through our music, through our own words. But so often we miss it. We miss it because we're looking on the horizon. We're looking at the end of time. We're looking for something magnificent and huge. And we're not thinking about it in terms of the way Jesus really comes to us. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you all think about it. We romanticize the story about Christ's birth. I mean, it it becomes this, oh, beautiful manger scene with this hay that has to be very soft, right? Not like real hay. It's got to be heavenly hay. And so it's almost like a tissue paper all around the baby who has got to be in, you know, clean uh, loincloth or whatever it is, you know, this... This is beautiful thing and there's light everywhere and all of a sudden these shepherds arrive and they sing in perfect unison and harmony and oh, it's just great. It wasn't like that, right? 
I mean, Mary was a teenager who was unwed. I mean, the likelihood she was probably 14 years old, maybe younger. Unwed. In a time where that was unheard of. Talk about a world getting turned upside down. Talk about Jesus coming into your life and before it's good, it's bad, right? Because a young woman like this, if Joseph hadn't taken her in and been with her, her family would have cast her out. She would have been ostracized by her community. She could have been stoned to death. And yet she said, let it be to me according to your will. I will put one foot in front of the other and I don't know where this is going to go. But I know you've got my back, God. And a king born in a cold stable with animals all around. And animals that probably aren't keeping a heavenly distance, right? The smell of manure hay that sticks into your back if they even had hay right cold the elements not knowing if they're going to kick me out of this space that is makeshift and a messiah from Galilee from Nazareth poverty area only hicks come from that area nobody was looking And yet God broke in to that upside down world and said, I don't want you to look at the palace. I don't want you to look at the kings. I don't want you to look where you think you're going to look for salvation. God always enters through the back door of life where you least expect it. God is there. Where you least expect it. So Jesus says, be on guard because I will show myself to you but it will be in places that you don't think. It will be in the upside down of your life and of the world. And I will take that and I will make that my vision. I will make that divine vision. And you will be a part of something much greater than yourself. You will be a part of the eternal story. Be on guard so your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly. So how do we be on guard? That's great. Great words, John, but what do I do? Paul tells the church in Thessalonica, in today's reading from Thessalonians, he tells them, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. Be on guard for what you're putting out into the world. What are we putting out in the world? What do people see that says that vision is different than the vision of the world? It's different. It's better. It's love. It's peace. It's hope. It's joy. Last night, I watched the Alabama Crimson Tide in a a game that would probably go down in history, for me anyway. And I'm not saying, you know I went to Alabama, so I'm a fan, right? And I'm not saying this to say in your face Georgia or anything like that, right? But what transpired on that field with Jalen Hurts was nothing more than amazing. And was nothing more than a young man taking the vision of the world and saying, 
there's a better way, and it's not my way. I mean, you think about Jalen Hurts. He was the Cinderella of the team, right? He was wonderful. 26 games straight. He led us into two playoffs. Wonderful. The darling. And then in the national championship game, he starts to falter a little bit and he's benched. And Tua comes in and he takes over and wins the game. And Jalen Hurts stood on that sideline and he encouraged the team and he encouraged Tua. Then everybody said, oh, surely he's going to leave because that's the way of the world, isn't it? I mean, you got it's all about me, baby. I got to have my moment. I got to shine. And if I can't shine here, I'm going to go somewhere where I can. And yet Jalen Hurts said, I put it in God's hands and he handled it for me. He said, I'm going to stay with my team. I'm going to stay with a coaching staff that I think can make me better. And I'm going to practice and I'm going to do what I need to do. And that's exactly what he did. An opportunity met preparation last night. And he came back and really, in my opinion, because of the way he led the team, Alabama won the game in the last few minutes. In an instant, his entire world was turned upside down. Every expectation of the way his football career would be or should be ended became something different. And yet he could see with different eyes. Seeing the world with a different vision. Not the vision of the world. Not following the path of the world. Knowing that you're a part of something greater. Knowing that what you put out in the world makes a difference and it doesn't always have a Cinderella story like Jalen Hurts. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way we think it should. Sometimes we don't get back into the championship game. But what you are doing in the name of Christ and the seeds that you sow and what you put out there makes an eternal difference. It makes a difference that you will never know, that you will never see, to people that you may not know. What you put out in the world in the form of love and peace. When I was a kid, we used to stand out in front of the YMCA after swim practice. And we would yell across the parking lot. And I was 12, so I'm not going to tell you what we were yelling. We were yelling very silly things, right? But it would always come back to us in the form of an echo. And sometimes when the little kids would come out, they would say stuff like, poo-poo head, you know, and then poo-poo head would come back. (laughs) Lovely. Reminded me of a story about a young boy who was in the mountains. He fell while hiking with his dad. And he yelled, and he heard it come back in an echo. And then he did what we did in front of the YMCA. He started yelling things. My name is John! My name is John! My name is John! I am great! I am great! I am great! I'm a champion! I'm a champion! I'm a champion! Whatever you put out there comes back to you. And that's a lot like life. I've got good news and I've got bad news for you today. The good news is that Jesus Christ is coming. He is coming at Christmas 
And he is coming into our hearts and into the world each and every day as we look for him, as we prepare our world for him. And he will come at the end of time as we know it. And he will transform us today, tomorrow, and hereafter. And as we live into that, we will bring the kingdom of God around us. And we will know it and we will see it. And we will touch it and we will feel it as we move out in the name of the divine one. The other news? Well, I suppose that's up to each and every one of us. Amen.